0: The starting of the week At Summit Talks, you'll hear them speak It's only Monday
1: Oh wow, we're on. What's up? What's up, buddy? I guess uh, I was just saying a second ago, we are now brought to you by Liquid Death Mountain Water. Um, I hope they
0: aren't copyright infringing on... What was that? <laughs> <laughs> that, Man, on, that, that. that would be something. I, I have to say, I'm, I'm not big on uh, fancy water. But this really isn't too bad.
1: I'm I'm not gonna do an ad for them right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, going into their infinitely recyclable cans or ethically sourced water. Oh wait, I did. Oops. <laughs> hey,
0: does, does it say where they get their water from?
1: The uh, Austrian Alps. Oh yeah, yeah. They're fancy. They're fancy. So they're 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 not sourcing it from, you know, these uh, African villages and uh, destroying Southern American, you know, villages. (laughs)
0: Uh, I I won't go too far into that, man. So uh, I mean, before we get off in the weeds, but. I know, uh, is it <laughs> Ozarka? I think, aren't they infringing on oh, Michigan? Oh, oh, my God. Michigan's <laughs> water. Well, well is, th- is it them? Th- this is something that
1: you and I need to definitely talk about, uh, whether it's today or whether it's, you know, on a future episode, is, um, water rights. And, yeah. you know, um, Kamala Harris just came out this last week, and she was admitting, uh, you know, saying what everyone already knew that wars are fought over oil, but in the next decade they will be fought over water. Yeah, w- water is going to be the next catalyst, man. Yeah, it is. And and that that's a, I think this is a good segue into what we're you know wanted to talk about is um, you know the. I think I'm going to describe it this way. There, there seems to be this psychological phenomenon happening that in the larger perspective is that there is a gun violence problem here in the United States. It was uh, yesterday, if not the day before yesterday, a gunman went into his workplace in Indianapolis and killed uh I think 8 of his coworkers yeah, and, and himself and, yeah. yeah and um it, it's it seems that there there are dozens of these happening um and I'm not going to say uh you know it, it is in in the grander scheme of things which we start really you know uh digging into the the statistics Um, it, it it does seem problematic though, because, um, when, when I had graduated high school and I think even, let me ask you this, when you were, you were in school, I think Columbine was, yeah, that
0: was the start of all this. Yeah. Uh,
1: man, what, what, what do you think? Do you think that the United States has a uniquely violent problem. Do you think that gun violence is it, it, to, to, in my purview, it does seem that way amongst industrialized nations. Um, it, when, when you start throwing in Venezuela, Argentina, you know, I, I think we, we pulled up the stats a minute ago, like, yeah, you know, it's clearly beat, but those aren't first world countries. Those are developing countries. Yes.
0: No. And, and I, I agree with your assessment on it. Um, uh, I mean, we definitely see it more now because I you mean, know, we have access to you know more outlets, more people are reporting. There's more more boots on the ground, yeah. As far as reporters, um, you know, it's definitely a growing problem. You know, going back to that individual, and I, I hate sensationalizing this, but you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a former employee of FedEx. He actually worked there. Oh my God! And I'm seeing a pattern. You know, I love, I love following patterns and I'm so I'm seeing a pattern of all this, you know, it's, it's whether the, the suspect knows these individuals or he was an employee of the store or that facility. So there's a problem there. There's definitely a problem with the psyche of people right now. And I wonder if it ties into, I know this is so like out in the weeds, but it's, it's like. What percentage of people really want to go back to work, you know, okay, because of the 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 layoff we we all had, yeah, due to covid you know i was I found myself like, man, I don't man, i loved i i, I was furloughed fifty percent back, yeah. I was fortunate enough where I, I kept my job, but you know it was a week on week off, yeah, you know, my counterpart at the time uh mean we 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 were in conversation one time, and he's like, dude, I could get used to this, it's like I could too." because all the time I had at home with my family uh I was able to work out do kickboxing <laughs> and I mean dude I was I felt like I was on top of the world yeah and I remember I got the email stating Mr. V-, or they didn't and, and uh, they didn't pick us out they they just mass email to everybody hey anybody that was furloughed at whatever percentage uh come August like beginning of August we're going back 100% yeah. and you know, I turned to my wife and I was like, "Shit, I,
1: like, I got to go back to work." I, I, you know, it's it's funny because I was having this conversation yesterday with a coworker, and, um, you know, the the nostalgia that quarantine bring, brings, you yes. know, um, it, it is something I don't think that in our lifetimes that we will experience again. Hopefully, hopefully, right? I'm gonna throw an asterisk in there. Um, I, I think you know when when we talk about gun violence, you you have to contextualize it. Um, be, because like you, you said, you know, disgruntled workers in the workplace are, uh, disproportionately going back to set workplaces and they're, you know, committing violent acts. Um, and with, with COVID and the furloughs and the lockdowns, um, I, I've, I found myself having this, you know, nostalgic feeling of, wow, I was able to, you know, a degree of freedom that we had never experienced. Yes. And so I, I think with, um, with the nostalgia behind it, I, I, I loved the degree of freedom that I had. I loved the, 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 the idea that, you know, the obligations that I had to where my, my basic needs were met on unemployment, you know, and in, if I was to, to diagnose that in particular, as far as us looking at the freedoms that we experienced and then going back, I think what what going back showed is how undervalued uh, not only we are for our wages and our time, but how much time that we actually take to go and work. Correct. You, you know, yes. and, and it's, um, I, I remember back, back in, you know, I think it was Mrs. Brockman um oh, <laughs> yeah man, dude, I mean, I, i'm sorry i am sorry. Uh, <laughs> that woman and uh and i remember in this was I, I think fifth grade you know math and she um she was uh telling we, we got on the subject of like oh Mr. Brockman, we spend so much time at school. We've got homework. And she was like, well, you actually spend more time at home. Well, she forgot to, to you know, elaborate. Well, you spend time at home, but you're spending time doing other things at home that pertain to school. And on top of that, you're sleeping eight, ten hours of the, those, you know, hours that you're at home. Um, and it's, it, I think it's problematic when we, we don't contextualize these things. Because once, you you know, I guess we'll go. It's when I was looking into gun violence statistics um because what what the you know if all you did was watch cable news all day every day you would think that the united states was horrible uh, yeah Yeah. uh, well that any waking moment that you're going to step outside your home that you're going to get shot and uh, you know most people that listen to this podcast know that i'm a lefty uh for all intents and purposes and it's it's I think that there is something to be said about the psychological impacts of you know mass murders taking place, but in the um, I, I think in this uh, if we break down the statistics, I think out of the twenty or twenty something or a hundred something odd thousand, you know, mass murders only account for four oh man, or it's a, the
0: percentage is so low. It's it's. I mean, yes, it's mm-hmm. a conversation needs to be had. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, like you just pointed out, you, you turn on the TV or you click on a video on whatever app you're on and, oh, you know, five dead, four dead, eight dead. And then you, you you start to wonder, well, shit, you know, I found myself the other day, I was in the store and I was already planning ahead. If I hear gunshots, what am I going to do now? I mean, that fucks with you. It, it fucks with me, man, especially mm-hmm. when I have my son with me Yeah. You know, it's like, what am I going to do? Uh, I don't have my gun on me. I do carry at mm-hmm. times, but at that given time, I didn't have my gun on me. Yeah. And I know, you know, you need to expect the unexpected. But I mean, sometimes we get complacent. I mean, we—I don't feel like we should have to worry about about that kind of stuff. Yeah. But you're—you're uh, you're right. The—the uh, the percentage of mass shootings versus homicides total is—it's very it's 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 on the it, lower it, end. it's
1: yeah it, it is extremely it's not that i'm not discounting those because oh, of i think not, man of course I, I think what you just pointed to is something that we've both it, it has to be it, 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 in my purview it is a recent phenomenon that's taken place what was the first uh did y'all do any gun violence prevention
0: drills no. in school y'all did no and you ask your nephew today they do it all the time yeah, uh, and he knows it like the back of his hand. As I asked him the other day at dinner, I said, "Hey man, uh, so what's your procedure on, you know, active gun, active gunmen on campus?" And he went over. He told me that's and horrible. been one thing that oh, it made my skin crawl. You know, like what are the rules if you're caught in the hallway and the alarm goes off? What do you do? Said we are supposed to run to the bathroom and pray that we don't get shot, and go to the far corner and be quiet and just hope and pray oh the gunman doesn't go in the bathroom. Dude, how does that make you think about uh, that as a little kid?
1: The, it, it, it's it is, it is so sobering for me because it's like uh, when when I was in school they started uh, doing doing the the uh, gun uh, it's run hide fight. Um, and, and then even then, um, bomb threats, you know, were another one. I think, I think you may have done one of those, right? Oh yeah. And, and so, um, I, I'm not going to name the person's name, but when I was in a uh, high school, there was an individual that wrote up, uh, essentially a list. And on this list, he listed from, you know, if you were top of the list to the bottom, it was in what order he would uh, murder you. And, um, he was, honestly, we, we all knew that there was something off about him. And, you know, when, when it came out that, Hey, where, where's, where's this individual at? Because he hadn't been in school in a few days. Well, it turns out he told, uh, one of his uh, classmates, um, or one of his friends that, Hey, um, I don't want you to come to school <laughs> on this day. And, and the, the idea that someone is so desperate that they 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 are at the bottom of the barrel and that they are going to murder, you know X amount of people. It, it, it is not only extremely disturbing seeing that in the last two decades that this phenomenon has taken place because if if you know if I thought things were going to change, it was after Newtown, Connecticut where that uh, individual went and murdered you know over a dozen children um oh sandy hook yeah and yeah. um in, in you know my my nephew having <laughs> one i think one should always be prepared um you know in in nearly any situation um whether it is you know mass shootings or you know uh freezes that we experience i think they they showed how ill prepared we are however with with uh the mass shooter you know epidemic um, it, it seems that there's something inherently going on that is affecting the psyche of people to where they are going into their workplace, whether that's a FedEx or they're going into an elementary school and killing children. What what do you think that is? Why are people choosing to
0: target? Ki- yeah. Tar- well, well, okay. Let me peel back the layer. You know, I mean, if if I'm not saying I'm not going to go on the record and say I, I'll do this, but I mean. You know, if I wanted to do acts of violence, I'd go to somewhere where I know there's no guns. Mm. I mean, it's plain and simple. You know, that's why that kid targeted that elementary school. He knew they were all uh, armless, no guns. And look at the FedEx. Uh, now, I, I, if, correct me if I'm wrong. I think uh, an employee did rent his truck, and he was able to able to get a ar- firearm firearm. And actually, you know, fire engage back, with him. Engage yeah. with him.
1: I I need to go back. Yeah, and I remember seeing seeing something. But, see, there
0: there needs to be more of that. Mm. I mean, there honestly, there does. You know, to combat this, there needs to be more law enforcement. There needs to be more people carrying, mm-hmm. because you know, you know, bank a bank robber isn't going to go uh, hold up a police station that's got a lot of money. Yeah. i mean he's just not i mean not unless he's just crazy and wants to go out with the bank yeah pun intended yeah but (laughs) uh you know so you know that's why these places are are targeted you know that's why the churches were targeted that's the grocery store was targeted Mm -hmm. i mean it's just sad man i mean it's there's no perfect solution to this but only to have more law enforcement present and and I know that costs money at the end of the day yeah. or hire, you know, in-house security, you know, who's going to foot that bill? You know, I know Joe Rogan when, when he was uh, having a discussion with, uh, Cole Uh No, 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 no. It was another one a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, no, it was Dan, Dan Crenshaw. Actually, oh, your favorite guy. Dan Crenshaw actually suggested, you know, you know, probably do need to have police officers at the school. And Joe Rogan was like, "Man, but just the thought having a police officer, a guard at my child's school just doesn't seem doesn't fit well with me." Yeah. And Dan's like, "But we do it to this day." He's like, "Look at all the inner city schools." Yeah. There's cops are twenty four seven. There's a reason. I think you and I know what that reason is. Yeah. Because of the violence there at these inner city schools, it, it's real.
1: Yeah, uh, Minneapolis, Ma- Maryland, you know, Los Angeles, uh, probably Dallas is in you, there you, as well. You,
0: you just sent me a link a week ago uh, about that school. Mm-hmm. There was a school you, the, the oh, kid yeah. had got shot. Yeah. Well, I did more digging on it. That school in particular, man, has got a very, very vast history of violence. Mm-hmm. Four teens have died so far.
1: I I couldn't I couldn't imagine trying to get through the school system with you know a larger statistical probability of being shot or stabbed. Or oh, i will pull my kids
0: out in a second, man.
1: Well, well so let let me ask you this. So it, it seems that no one can agree on what the solution is. Uh, you know, one on one side, I I do agree that there needs to be well trained, and that that's the key: well trained security guards. Yes. And it is going to be a, a issue of who's going to foot that bill like we were just saying. I, I don't it, this is something that I've thought about quite extensively because many of my contemporaries, they, the idea that owning a gun, you know, in, introducing that into their homes, you know, it, is it, it, like you said, Joe Rogan just saying just the thought of it is, is uh, problematic in, in essence. Oh, this uh, liquid death has me burping so well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, the, the idea that having just the presence of a firearm or security guard is essentially admitting defeat. I don't think that is the case. I think that, one, it is a great first step. Uh, but, again, I don't think those address the problems. You're right. You know, yeah, that, right. that the that there's something going on in the last two decades granted i know that there's been mass shootings uh prior to the columbine uh, I, I think for the first one that comes to mind is 1968 ut uh, tower yes uh, incident um but it, it's almost like we've talked about this several times is that everybody wants to just you know um they're yelling at, at each other yelling at each other in a room and they're saying oh you just uh, want you know, more guns in people's hands, and then the other side is saying, "Oh, you want to take my rights away?" Um, it, it is. It seems like nothing's been getting done. You know, if if so, you're you're saying that more security guard. I would agree with you. I I really do. I really do think that it, at to to stem the problem of the the probability, in fact. Of a gunman coming into your your son's school or into you know a a workplace, um, that we should do something you know along those lines. What? Uh, let me ask you this: There's a a, a house bill that um, is going through the Texas Ledge right now, just passed the Texas House, but it's going to go into the Texas Senate. I think this next week. It's House Bill 1927. It would. Uh, It would allow anyone to carry a handgun without a concealed
0: license. I I like the idea of getting more, you know, uh, firepower in people's hands. I don't like the fact of them not having the license. Mm. Because what does that mean? They don't need to take a class. They don't need to do their due diligence to To be taught, to be trained, yeah, to learn how to execute, not not execute someone, but execute how to properly use a firearm, yeah. Because there is a wrong and a right <laughs> way, man. Let me tell you. There's
1: uh, I, I'm gonna show you this video after um, we get off, but uh, on Snapchat, there's a girl that I have on on Snapchat, and she, she has children. And she was letting her baby infant boy handle a pistol, her Glock, And she and she 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 put it on the label, um, uh, "Don't worry, it's not loaded." And this this little infant's you know hand is like clearly has the trigger depressed. I'm just thinking like, oh, in my head, my reptile brain is just like screaming, like, "What the hell's wrong with you?" That is you know, uh, the, the access of infants and young individuals, firearms that have not been properly trained, that's where accidents do in fact happen. You know, anytime that, um, I I've, I've always made sure that, you know, when, when my nephews come here, that one of the first things I do is I ensure that everything's locked up, you know, um, it, it's, I, I, what what do you why do you think you know I think for you and I we have a different experience of firearms that a majority of Americans don't have I think only thirty percent of suburban homes have a firearm in the house that doubles when you know to sixty percent when you're in a rural community why do you think that there is a you know, propen- propensity to shove. You know, guns to the to the wayside. You know,
0: uh, and and suburban areas. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, that's. I mean, I, I guess you'd have to look deeper on. You know, how were they raised? You know, what what are they seeing that we don't see? Why they feel like they don't need a gun? Yeah. And, and then again, man. I mean, it's like what we're demographically or are, are these numbers? Because I know. You know, going back to like the homicide, I don't want to get off. Track you, but I know, like going back to the the homicide statistic, eighty percent of them are in inner cities. That majority of these are happening, and like two percent are in only two percent of that eighty percent, or in only uh no no I'm sorry two counties per state where where the numbers rise yeah per harm or homicide per you know gun uh guns um. And some of these states have the strictest gun laws, yeah. So maybe that's why, you know, the number you just spoke of, a lot of these su- suburban areas don't have guns. I don't I here in Texas, man, that doesn't count. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong on this. Kind of going off in the weeds here, but uh, World War One or Two, wasn't there a a, a, a Chinese uh, commander? He was on record stating he will not invade through Texas at the Gulf because. <sighs> Texas having I, so many guns, man.
1: You you, you might I, I actually don't know. I, I, you I'm, might have me beat. Um, I I think a, a the conversation about a land invasion from a foreign country, it would have to be you know uh, China, Iran, Russia, and Mexico, and probably Canada even collaborating to to do something because uh, you know yeah, so many people in the United States are armed. And, and do do you actually know the the number of guns there are in the United States? Four hundred million. Yeah, no, I, I just yeah. I just looked yeah. that up a second 400
0: ago. Four hundred million. Man, there's more more guns than people.
1: It, it, the the project, the scope of the project that I would take for you know many um, you know liberal minded people to like, okay, let's just magically do away with all guns. I I think the operative word is magic because it would be <laughs> it would be absolutely impossible. And, um, you know, I was talking to uh, Brent over at uh, Systemically Distorted Communication about this is that the it, it is it seems almost impossible for us to have gun reform that doesn't, in fact, have. Some infringement on you know, the second Amendment, you know, yes, and i my only retort back to that is that the Constitution is a malleable document, you know that we we are in fact able to amend our constitution. However, I think you know uh, there there's a a small population. I'd probably say out of the three hundred and odd million people here in the United States. There's a small population of gun owners that they believe that, you know, they will literally go to arms against, you know, anyone that, that, you know, tries to confiscate their, their weapons, which I think is, is problematic that they are, you know, single issue, you know, voters per se, um, that will literally kill their, their fellow men, you know,
0: for, for these, you know, tools that they are. I... I mean, do do you really think, man? Tyranny can happen from government. Do you really think? I mean, think about it. Because I'm, mean, you know, I, I, my stance is in the middle. Of course, yes, I do lean a little conservative, but I have a lot of liberal views, and I agree with a lot of liberal policies. I really do. Mm-hmm. You know, like I told you, man, I I wanted Tulsi Gabbard. I really did. Yeah. You know, I I I think she would have been a good fit for us. Yeah, for a lot of reasons, but. I mean, that's besides the point right now, but I just don't see, you know, when Biden does his buffoon-in- buffooniness about <laughs> gun control, I don't think it's because they want to take the guns from the people. I really, I just, I don't mm-hmm. believe it, man. You know, my two eyes tell me, I, I don't, is it possible? Of course, anything's possible, especially after the shit we've been through Yeah, the last yeah. two years, man. But just the thought of it man like part of me just wants to laugh it off mhm you know uh, to, t-
1: yeah to to answer your question i i think i think it is absolutely in the realm of possibility um that a a authoritarian figure can rise to power to essentially disarm a population you know, um, I think a good example of this is I'm not going to even use the Nazis. I'm going to actually use uh, Hong Kong as an example, even though that they haven't had a gun culture um, in, in their country the same way that the United States does. Um, they they are currently, you know, being absorbed by the People's Republic of China. You know, day by day, and in fact, it's almost like a symbiotic relationship. Um, it is it is. Um, it is it is extremely it is extremely within if history tells us anything that there there are there are people that want to control you and whether or not they they think they have your better intentions at heart you know the, the united states operates in a you know sort of center right ideology that you know what you should do and what you want to do and so I think that it is absolutely within the realm of possibility. However, the probability of that happening is, you know, extremely zero to none. I do think that the government, if it was ever tyrannical, and wanted to to essentially participate against, you know, its own, not participate, but essentially, you know, quell its own people. The United States has already come out and said, well, one, we don't even have to look at their own word, just look at the way they've dealt with Vietnam or Iraq and Afghanistan. They do not do good against
0: guerrilla, you know, uh, warfare. Yeah, And so, <sighs> uh, I, you know, I guess the reason I, I, I said what I said and why I feel this way, what, what's taking the government so long to just do it? They would have already done it. Yeah, I mean they—they've had over twenty decades to just do it, and they—they—they they, they haven't. Yeah, so uh, that's why you know I feel that way about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they'd take this passive route, and you know you have every all these lobbyists, lobbyists yelling at each other about gun control. Yeah, you know, it, it would have just already been done. You know, the more concern I have is other powers wanting to take us over, like China, Russia. You now that's where my concern lies. Yeah. You know cuz you know they don't like our culture. They just don't. You uh,
1: know? Yeah. No, um I, I think I, I think you you're definitely right. On that note, we're going to take a break really quick y'all. We'll be we right back. we running underground and we'll be
2: listening for the
1: sound. It's only
0: Wednesday. In your shelter dinner.
2: She don't know about DMX like, you know, we do. And I was just telling her, you know, because she's like, well, who's that? And I says, well, I'll, I'll let you listen to one of my favorite songs from him, right? And then I put on uh, Get It On The Floor. Oh, yeah. And it's just hype. Like, it's all energy. I said, he's from New York. So I said, that's the New Yorker's energy. That's That's that you know, typical, if you, if you met anyone from New York, like I met when I was in the Navy, you know, scores of people from New York is that that's just, that's their, their demeanor. You know, they have this, this energy. And that was what he was. If you could say anything about DMX was if you listen to his music and you're cruising around, you're going to be hyped up. Oh
1: yeah. That's for damn sure.
2: It's going to get you there. You know what I mean? It's that vibe that, that, um, That high energy vibe that's like you know and it's a good energy it could be it could turn into bad energy depending on your the people you know but it definitely gives you that like i'm you know let's let's get it in let's enjoy ourselves and and let's do our you know our our celebration and style or whatnot
1: yeah, I, I definitely didn't have the opportunity to, like, really enjoy DMX the same way y'all did. Um, <laughs> you know, I was a emo kid for the most part, so I... Uh, man, you really well, weren't that yeah, well, much, man. That was no, you weren't bad. that bad. That was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> Lincoln Park, My Chemical Mo- Romance, Panic yeah, the disco. Park,
0: Dude, I got d- Lincoln Park's not emo. Oh, no,
1: but it, it's definitely... If, if you want to talk if, about gateways, it was definitely yeah, a gateway yeah. to you know, a day to remember and, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. So,
2: well, I mean, what made, um, if we're speaking about Lincoln park, I mean, what made them kind of mainstream is obviously that crossover they did with Jay-Z. Oh
0: dude, that's iconic, iconic song, man.
2: Yeah. It's what I'm saying is it's similar to what happened with run DMC when they did their duo with, with Aerosmith. I mean, it basically rejuvenated their career after that you know. Yeah. And it was a great collaboration, but that was that's obviously 80s type time frame. Um but going back to, you know, uh the music, you know, his legacy is is going to be just like forever solidified. But here's this little tidbit that I I was looking up earlier. Um so MJ was 50 when he died. So was Prince. Prince was probably a little over 50, if I'm not mistaken, but basically 50s. And now we have DMX. And he's not, We I would never really compare him to those two gentlemen, except to say that he was an icon in the sense he broke records at at the time when he was at his height. He was the only artist that would, that has, I think it still stands that he released two albums in the same year and they both went platinum
1: man um yeah definitely dmx and mj and the (laughs) you know i mean
0: i mean this is actually this would be a good you know i mean maybe we could pick up another time but it's like i mean chester uh, bennington from lincoln park suicide chris cornell which man he has the most influential iconic rock voice i've ever heard from audio slave yeah i mean I, i i just some of the greats, man, just falling to their addiction and it's just sad. It really is. It's sad. But
1: No. Anyways. No, I, I definitely uh I, I guess we can we can go ahead. I've I've been uh, I started recording this just so that we can uh I can normalize the audio and whatnot. So um what was that? Four oh one. But I, I, I mean so so Nobby to to bring you in um sure. so so Stephen and i have been talking about gun violence in the united states for the last 40 odd minutes and okay. and to to contextualize this you know it, there is a perception and then there there's the reality of gun violence you know a majority of gun violence is committed uh by homicides are typically committed by gangs and they typically take place in inner city communities however a growing number of gun violence is you know from suicides um and yes. and if if it, the the perception i think that that is that that takes the spotlight is when the media you know focuses on you know mass shootings which i i'm not saying to the to the listeners i'm not saying that mass shootings are a problem it is extremely problematic that you know we uh, we now have you know children train and prepare themselves uh to, to be put in a situation that is lethal from a stranger or one of their, their their cohorts. And so, man, let let me ask you this. What do you think is going on? Where where do you think this general shift in, in the psyche of Americans is coming from?
2: Well, that's a pretty loaded, loaded gun you (laughs) gave me there. Uh, No, to be honest, uh, I believe this goes into what we and Steven talk about a lot, you know, off podcast is it starts at home, like a lot of this, the problems going on. I mean, we could go from any common problem nowadays that we're not really, um, really getting into, but as it pertains to your question, you asked me at hand, um, and the psyche of America, I believe a lot of it has to do with the culture. And I mean by that is, um, you know, the basic nuclear family. You know, a lot of kids that this these things happen in these these cities that you see these these areas. You know, it's not just the violent end the violent end of the of the debate. It's also the um, the nonviolent. You know, the guys who aren't into gangs, the guys who are being um neglected or bullied or picked on. You know, these kids, they don't have a, if they don't have a father in their home to kind of give them that, you know, guidance as it what a man would do in this situation kind of makes them unprepared, you know? And so now you put that situation with a gun with a gun that's easily accessible in their hands. And there you go. They figure, well, on one hand well look if this is how my life's gonna be and i'm already this far why do i keep going why do i need to you know push it and so there they go they they you know i had a kid when i was in junior high that he killed himself for the same reason and the one thing that was common i didn't know at the time was he didn't have a father in the house
0: yeah i know i know there's and, a there's a man, there's a good statistic out there um uh... I just, I can't, I can't reference the website that a a lot of fatherless homes, they, they do tend to fall, I don't want to say victim, but tend to lead to some kind of violence. And, and then of course, if you go demographically, you go to the inner cities, you know, these poverty riddled areas, what's, what's the natural economy? Drugs, you know, drug selling or drug dealers, and what's involved with that? Shootings. What's involved with that? Homicides. So, you know, I guess if we go down, to, like you said, the nuclear standpoint of it, what's missing? And a lot of it is fathers. I mean, we have to call it what it is, but I, I see you're kind of staring off in the distance over there uh,
1: i it's not that that i disagree with either of y'all i think to, to to contextualize you know the the disassembling of the nuclear family in the united states is an a is an economic problem within itself it's the neoliberal market you know driven forces that essentially dismantled you know the manufacturing powerhouse of the united states right and I think if we we examine, uh, I think 1993 is the, the most recent year of the most violent um, you know year in the last twenty odd thirty odd years. Comes Biden to the rescue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, it's just uh, falling downstairs. You know, one one uh, executive order at, at a time. I I think you know definitely the, the family unit is is extremely important um however you know if we look at the the economies and the the these economies of scale when we look at at families their their entire you know livelihoods have been you know ripped out from under them by these politicians that continually you know get sent to washington to bring them back but you know on one hand they vote for um say you know good jobs on the other hand they get like Ele- electricity deregulation like we're dealing with here in texas and you know on one hand they they vote for meaningful you know lobbyist reform and they and then they get you know whatever other bullshit legislation that, that comes through the pipeline what what do you um are you familiar with uh nietzsche or schopenhauer uh Either you guys of all? Me? yeah bo- both of y'all actually
0: man very very molecule level yeah
1: and so I mean this is you know this kind of goes into what we're talking about Frederick Nietzsche you know the the famous line God is dead you know essentially examined what what happens when a you know the the family unit or people no longer uh, you know have a common you know uh, binding unit within their their lives. And I, I think it's extremely important to recognize that, is that, um, one, I think Americans are now more secular than they ever have been, or yeah. they're non-denominational Christians. And and so, it, it is, for me, like, I, I was just looking at the stat, you know, um, the FBI has a, The five-year average for for gun deaths in the United States is 40,000. You know, of those forty thousand, I think over half of them are
0: suicides. From when I was looking, yeah, at. I know it's a, the the stat on suicide. It takes big piece of the yeah. Pie.
1: You know, and um, it 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 is it is extremely concerning that you know more of our fellow Americans are definitely choosing to kill themselves. You know, versus you know seeking seeking help. But I I think what what I wanted to when we contextualize gun violence is we we have to talk about drugs. You know, because yes. there Psychotropic drug, right? yeah. There, there is one, I, I mean, I wish we would learn from our, um, you know, the golden age of the United States, and um, I, I, my personal stance is, is, is more, you know, being raised in a Catholic household, and then, you know, going off to college, you know, definitely a culture shock, but uh, learning more and more about the failed war on drugs, um, yeah. it is um, it, it is now pretty, you know, apparent that you know it that americans clearly there's a they a, a demand you know for drugs in households you know and and I, I think honestly, my 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 stance is, hey, yeah, we should legalize all drugs because the the cost of not doing so is fueling, you know, the these uh, these South American or you know our southern neighbors, you know, Mexico, to essentially be riddled with, you know, the cartel, you know, because we are their biggest customers. Oh yeah, man, yeah. You know? and, and y'all's experience, I mean, what, what do y'all think? Do you do you think that we should legalize all drugs and just tax the shit out of them? Uh, what 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 is y'all's what is y'all's stance?
0: you know i've i've often thought about this just due to the fact about the cartel violence and and what follows you know follows with all that uh i know it's a slippery slope when you start talking about the hardcore drugs like heroin mm-hmm. crack cocaine but you know that study i told you about up in Oregon where they they did a clinical trial on clinical heroin and they I, if I'm not mistaken, I still think it's in business. But if the the other flip side of this is the the funding of it is from the state government. Yeah, and I know it costs millions of dollars to keep this place in business or keep the lights on. Mm-hmm. But the success that they're seeing is phenomenal. You know the these uh, these uh, what do you want to call them uh, patients? I guess yeah. patients that they're uh, coming off the street. Yeah. What what's up, man?
2: No, no, no. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean to. So, so
0: these patients are coming off the street, and they give them their their, their fix or mm-hmm. their dose. I think they're allowed two doses per day. Now, don't don't quote me on this. This is just a documentary that I saw on Netflix. Anyways, these these uh, uh, patients are being very uh, productive day in and day out. They're able to hold a job. Mm-hmm. They're able to clean up. You know their their self. They're not having to go from dealer to dealer, and lose the risk of getting, uh, tra you know, trash drugs, which we all know what that. Yeah. What I mean by yeah. that. So it does serve a purpose, man. It does, but you know who's going to be responsible? Who's going to minister? It. Who's going to fund it? Those are all legitimate questions. Mm-hmm. But my main, you know, uh, I guess thought was, you know, cartel, and. And what, what the the shit that they the havoc they wreak yeah on hell their own country Mm-hmm. you know and it, it's just it's, it's sad and it's devastating I mean of course that's another discussion that's why we see the numbers we do yeah certain points of the year on immigration yeah mm-hmm. what do you
1: what do you, what do you think Nobby what, what's your what's your stance on guns or, I mean well, uh, no, drugs yeah. drugs <laughs> might as well drugs. be the same thing
2: well 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 no I I'll I'll kind of. Uh piggyback on what you know steven said about the drugs it's you know um it is a problem that i would say because you you know we being southern state uh people i mean i'm not in a southern state but i'm in a state that borders mexico and you know there's it's a it's a vast difference um if we're looking holistically at the situation versus you know this administration versus the previous administration the stances and how things are being ran and it's a travesty because you know I understand that these people that are coming in droves want to work and want you know not all of them mind you Um, but as it pertains to the drugs you have the cartels also taking advantage of the situation because they can use these people as, you know, as we call coyotes. And so they're coming across, they're not being, um, you know, checked or the checks and balances are gone. So now they just freely send people across. And as like uh, what Throttle was saying about uh, the, having bad drugs, well, a lot of the stuff that comes across You know it's made in some you know factory under duress, and these people are you know being threatened while they're doing this stuff, and so that leads to inconsistency. There's you know all kinds of issues with that being you know being the case. So therefore, when it gets here, you know George Floyd had fentanyl in his system. Where are you going to get fentanyl if you're not going to a doctor? You know what I mean? That's not a that's not a drug that's you know um, FDA regulated. So, here we have this man who has got enough of you know. Maybe according to toxicology reports, he didn't have huge amounts of it as what was maybe previously thought or mentioned. But every regardless of that fact, um, it's still fentanyl. And where's this coming from? There's people dying at alarming rates for it.
0: Yeah. That, so fentanyl, I think, is manufactured from China. Actually, China's one right. that, that started this.
2: Right. But 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 see, the I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, a lot of this stuff that, you know, the Mexicans and when it comes to their drugs, they're similar to the Chinese. in the fact that they'll grab a sample of something, then they'll reverse engineer it and then they'll s- send it in mass quantities across from the south from, mm-hmm. the, you know, from Mexico, because they did that with, you know, with, when lean it. I mean, lean is not as prevalent on the low end as it used to be, it's now more of a high end kind of a, you know, everybody sings about it type of thing, Hmm. but um, they, they made this activist was the name of the company that manufactured the quote unquote, Holy grail of lean, which was the purple color. It was um, highly potent. It was, you know, you had to dilute it with soda and put jolly ranchers to get rid of that medicine taste or licorice taste. And so, now it's, it's so scarce. And when they shut it down, because, you know, used to, you could go into the store and just grab, you know, any kind of cough syrup you wanted. But then when they realized what people were doing with it, then they had to, you know, put that ban on it. Hmm. So when, what the cartels did to get involved was they took the activists, found out the, you know, what dye were they using, blah, blah, blah. And then they would take it and remanufacture it as Act- activiso. And so Activiso gets shipped here and now it's more prevalent, but they still charge the same price or a little bit lower price. So that way they can still keep the price up, but still make the money. Yeah. So, so, so the fact that there's no regulation on that, there's no task force on that. You know what I mean? That's just one small example that goes in back into the bigger conversation about this overall drug situation. You know, (laughs) um, now if you're asking me, should we legalize all drugs? I'm fine with it and if the understanding is there has to be help for people who get addicted cuz you know going with to what you know Stephen said about the the study that was done in you know and and up north the only issue I'm having with that is it's like the the whole reason you do these kind of things yeah you want productive folks but you, you want to get them off of this stuff you know what I mean? Because it's kind of like saying, well, if on one hand we're gonna say it's legal to do it, so here do it. Now you're hooked. Now we're just gonna kind of slowly give it to you, and yeah, you can be functional. But what happens when something happens and you you can't take it?
0: Yeah, and that's you know uh, I, mean? I guess that's you know that's the uh, the demon in in this uh, clinical trial. I know, uh, man, and uh, I'll be I'll be misquoted. I know, but I think like five percent of of these uh, patients they were actually 100% recovered mm-hmm. meaning they didn't have to go back yeah you know the other remaining yeah. i know there it was like a slow trend going down but they still saw uh, uh i guess improvements it, in general yeah the, the improvements recidiv- the improvements were going down i mean improvements were going up and the the urge to need, need their fix was going down but they still had the urge so, it, you know, right. it, it was effective in some, but not all.
2: Yeah. No, right. And, yeah. Then, and then, of course, there's placebo trials that go involved in that to kind of to kind of get a, you know, a media and to see if it's really the drug or if it's, you know what I mean? Like it's mental, because I will be honest and say there is a lot about our human brain that we don't understand. And there's a lot of things that we still have yet to discover and 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 we do know about the basic chemistry of our brains and the the chemi- and the chemicals that are excreted and not excreted, you know, due to uh, overexposure. And, you know, with a lot of these drugs, these high end drugs, a lot of these people like, you know, my ex-wife, she, her, her cousin, they had a million dollar business doing hardware. Well, you know, he got the, the husband got hurt. He got on a uh, painkiller medication, then the painkillers yep. ran out and he was addicted. So then he, he just, he destroyed himself he in everything. the business being addicted to hard, you know, because heroin is, is that drug?
1: Yeah. No, uh, there, there's a, there's a book, uh, you should read. It's, uh, called drug dealer MD by Dr. Anna Lemke. And it it pretty much, you know, goes into the opioid epidemic here in the United States. And now, you know, you know, we want to talk about legalizing drugs. Well, I mean, we, we have one of the most potent drugs available on the market and, you know, Purdue pharma spent tens of millions of dollars to gain billions of dollars of profit to get millions of Americans in the Midwest, uh, you know, addicted, uh, to, uh, to their opioids. And I think, you know, the, the opportunity cost of, of, you know, us telling people they can't do what they want to do there. There's clearly a want and a need, you know, for, for, for drugs in, in any society. I mean, you can go back thousands of years and they, I mean, they did drugs then, and it's 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 really problematic when you you have you know this there's clearly a market for it, and how however you know we we are essentially the the this this war on drugs has been an absolute failure you know tens of billions of dollars you know hundreds of thousands of people and millions of you know families' lives ruined uh, because of it. It, it it is you know the 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 entire point of like my political philosophy is that we've got to change the 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 general idea of what it means to be patriotic and american i think is more patriotic and american to try to help out your fellow uh human being your fellow american you know and um you know using utilizing like utilizing the tax dollars generated uh from you know sales of of drugs uh, to, to go into, to rehabilitation and recidivism, you know, facilities, I think would be nothing that that'd be great,
0: but yeah, well, I, I agree you know, with that. Yeah. I, really do. I mean, you know, here they are getting, yeah, and... go ahead, man. I'll let you.
2: No, I was just going to say, I, I agree as well. I, I just, I believe that there has to be a better way than what we're doing. Like, you know, I would say, you know, not to get off the subject, but when we spoke before, um, I was actually kind of like thinking, you know, you have a lot of good points and things like uh, you know, just in general, if this is you and I, and we're kind of on different ends of the political spectrum per se, why is it that difficult? You know we have to ask ourselves that question like oh, fuck, fundamentally, <laughs> what is it about the people in government versus us as the people that we are different in certain areas but we're still the same Exact, you know we want the same outcome but we have a different approach do you know what i mean oh yeah we want the same outcome but we have a different approach and where is that disconnect coming from or why is there you know why is there a breakdown when it gets to the table
1: okay we're gonna lose track of what we're <laughs> well, well so no i i you know to get into that do you like, no, no no i'm
2: not you know, i'm not trying to go that way i was just saying it to bring it back no, to the I, fact I, that you know, you and I, and other people like us, we're just a subsection of what the people out here are. You know what I mean? When it comes to guns and to drugs, it's the same thing we all but know and believe. Only, it's the approach, and that's yeah. what I was trying to circle. Yeah, no, back no.
1: To. I think I think you're right. Uh, one, I think it is bipartisanly agreed upon. I think it's in the 70th percentile that a majority, a vast majority of Americans, want to legalize marijuana. You know they want to legalize it. They want to be able to consume it, and they want you know tax dollars generated. Uh, because I think you know up until up until last year, um, you know we we have spent trillions of dollars on shit that we just don't want. You know that the the material well being of of the the American citizen uh, a a large portion of Americans has essentially gone down. You know, we talk about the nuclear family. Well, I don't think that exists in, you know, twenty twenty one anymore. Yeah, you it just does, it doesn't. Like what 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 does it mean to be middle class anymore? Does it mean you're you're able to like go out to eat, you know, every other week and still pay your bills <laughs> instead of thrive. Yeah, you
2: yeah, you you'd be you're hitting the nail on the head with that because, you know, I mean, we can remember growing up, I mean Maybe you, um, uh, I don't know your particulars exactly, uh, there, Will, but, um, I know, uh, Stephen knows exactly what I'm talking about when I say this. You know, there was a time when we had just massive prosperity. I mean, let's take our little town that we grew up in. You know, Sonora was a hub, man. You know, mm-hmm. Sonora was a a town that was that was basically built around the oil industry i mean sure they had a place where um you know there was a i believe it was a woolen mohair that was it was known well for um but that was still pale in comparison when we're talking about um
0: you yeah, know the, oil, and gas the oil
2: industry oil and gas i mean oil and gas was dominant you know and it gave lots of jobs i mean I I learned what middle class, you know, upper middle class was about, because we we lived a good life, we lived a great life. Um, now once that went to to away, you know, I'm not going to get into all that, but just putting it where it, where it would happen at the end as an end result, it changed a lot of things, you know, and that was during the Reaganomics era. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I get it on that on that on that uh aspect. Yeah. You know? nowadays when you look at uh average family you know i mean hell guys we talk to you know in our personal lives they're they're struggling you know maybe they're the only way they can make it is with government help
1: mm-hmm. and
2: that's a sad thing in in america when when you're depending upon an entity for your well-being that basically means they control you and that's that's something that you know i don't i don't like that yeah and you know a nuclear family is what is what built this country, if you really want to boil it down. Because a woman would be at home taking care of a man's kids while the man was out providing to make sure that they, you know, had what they needed to to, to thrive. Yeah. And so if you flip it on its head and say, okay, now that doesn't exist. Now you have more and more people who don't have the benefit of both sides of a, of a coin to kind of navigate through life. And so, to circle back into the drug discussion and the gun distru- discussion, that does not allow them to be prepared mentally, which is, uh, you know, uh, uh, there again, another uh, symptom of the problem, to be prepared for the open world. Because, let's be honest, it's a dog-eat-dog world, and nobody nobody cares about their problem. The world doesn't owe anyone understanding. So, you can say you know you have this issue that issue. The end of the day, they don't care. Nobody cares. I, they I, have their own problems.
1: I think right there is is uniquely American though. If I'm in Sweden, Luxembourg, Denmark, Norway, Germany, France, South Korea, Japan, they do care. Um, they that there is assistance readily available for me and my family in the event that you know we are we are struggling. I think. Well,
2: well. Let me not. Let me not say it that way. I, yeah. I, I guess maybe that's a little, a little too harsh because we do care here. I mean, uh, I don't think so. You know, <laughs> in my life when you know, I've been through it, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I've gotten help, and it's not been like I didn't. It's this, just that
0: sorry, we I'm are
2: more voice. of a consumer-driven economy, other other economies. Or are be, are becoming like us, but the main reason is because we're so consumer-driven and so capitalistic that that kind of has an up but an ugly side as well. Oh, yeah. Now, because of our immense wealth and because of the opportunities that are presented to folks to, to be able to make vast amounts of money and to be able to, you know, have the finer things as quote-unquote that they say, um, the flip side of that is just, you know, we lose a little bit of our humanity along the way because you know let's be honest how many times you see people at the store and you know they get to the line and oh no there's there's they got to put something back because they don't have enough money to finish it
0: oh i see it all the time
2: do you know what i mean yeah
1: yeah no i i think there, you know, I said this on uh, another podcast, and I'll say it again. I, I think the the consumer, uh, the consumer-driven economy that we do have, is extremely deleterious to Americans' well-being, and we're seeing the rot essentially culminate in twenty 2020, twenty twenty twenty-one. Uh, because uh, you know what did what did COVID show us? Uh, you know our society is extremely individualistic, and we can't agree on anything to to do anything to where it paralyzes us to to make these policy decisions that are extremely important to the well being of people. Whereas you you have you know other countries that way outshined us in terms of their their handling of COVID and the coronavirus. You know I love just looking at Japan because it's an extremely conservative government. And what they did was extremely effective into curbing the spread of COVID-19, whereas we just kind of, you know, uh, we're in uh, – <laughs> I picture uh, chickens with their heads cut off with kerosene on fire, you know, running into each other um, to, to some extent. Whereas, you know, now we're starting to, you know, the vaccination rates are, are so high to where we're curbing, curbing the spread. Before we go off into that, I, I think with with the United States in particular, it is, it is very problematic, the, the, the idea of, uh, you know, we, we want, uh, if you want to talk about wealth, the, the, the top wealth gains in the last 30 years have gone to the, to the top 10th of 1% you know, uh, productivity has risen by 400%, whereas the average, the medium wage has stayed stagnant since 1979, you know? And so it, it is, it is, you know, the, we, we all recognize that something is inherently wrong. Like there's something that, that what we grew up with is just, it, it seems so far out of reach into a, to, you know, quote unquote, an American dream that we're just starting to rub our eyes and wake up from, and it's it's it is you know sad when man I was in Sonora uh, last month, not the month before, and it is it is depressing you know yeah, going going through there and seeing the the business closures, the lack of you know just uh, the the hustle and bustle. It is it is honestly it, it is a. It, How do I put this? It it is, it it makes me want for, for, you know, times long ago. And, and it's, you know, I don't, I don't think that it's, it's going to come back. You know, I, I think the urbanization that the United States has always, you know, ebbed and flowed from, from, you know, 1910 to, you know, 2010, you know, people have consolidated into these city centers, and uh, they they go where the jobs are. And I don't, the, you know, the jobs just aren't there in Sonora, Texas. Those don't, uh, you know, Stanford, but, Stanford. Man, let
0: me stop you there. You know you know why Sonora is no longer going to be what it used to? Why? So you have 8,000 wells that were drilled around the surrounding area of Sutton County. Yeah. Out of those 8,000, one company, one, has vast majority of those wells. Meaning, invest. Hmm. That's a problem in itself. So they have
1: a monopolistic exactly. control over and resources.
0: Me and Michael Ramirez had a discussion back over a decade ago that if you took all those wells and you divided them up, and you you had eight different companies, think of the opportunity. Yeah, it's not under one umbrella. It's not your eggs are not in one basket. So they have dictatorship over the town. Yeah. No, yeah, you know, that's that, that's that's bad, man. Uh, I've 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 yeah. told
1: I told people this time and time again. You know, the problem isn't brown people coming over the border and stealing your job. It is you know monopolistic and monopsonistic entities that are essentially dictating, you know, who wins and who loses in, in, in our economy and uh, yeah. the consolidation. Because uh, we used to think of monopolies in in totally different respects here in the United States. Any any concentration of power the United States government would break up. You know, one of the great conservatives of our time, well, not my time or ours, uh, you know, Theodore Roosevelt, you know, was a Republican, uh, you know, the trust buster. You know, he broke up all the big banks. And, yeah. and you know, same, and, and you can, you know, fast forward 30 years to FDR, that we, when, when our government, our state, saw a concentration of wealth and power, they knew what that meant. And that meant that they were a hegemonic force trying to you know, rival the, the the statehood of the United States yeah. or the, the the underlying states within that they lied, and whether it's Intervest or honestly my favorite you know company to shit on Amazon, they they are they are setting up infrastructures to essentially rule you know people what they do in their daily lives, and that's a problem. That is a huge problem. Yeah. You know, uh, it is uh, it is is horrible like, like it is disgusting seeing what some of these these amazon you know warehouse workers have to go through it's it's modern day indentured servitude you know like uh there, there's a book that i'm finishing up right now it's called fulfillment winning and losing a one-click america right. by alec mcgillis and these the you know amazon has gone into these towns like dayton ohio yeah. into san marcos okay, into all these towns that That um, essentially had, you know, some sort of, you know, manufacturing hub or the logistics hub. And they uh, they've co-opted the community to where, hey, everybody's going to go work for Amazon because they pay so much. And, And to where they've undercut all the small businesses and to where they are the only business in town. That's a monopsony. That is so you have one buyer of labor in a city. Whereas in, in you know in a true competitive market, you would have multiple you know buyers of labor in, in cities, and so Amazon is you know essentially growing into this malignant force in the United States, and and honestly, it, it is it is I think emblematic of the crony capitalist oh my god words right crony capitalistic system that we currently have, and it, it's it is painful. I mean, you know you I've had people you know tell me that yeah they've got iced their feet you know, every night and they've got to change their shoes in the middle of their shifts. And and when they do that, they lose productivity time. And then that essentially leads them to a write up, which, you know, they'll just be, you know, their they're cattle,
0: you know, I, I mean, I understand all that, but at the end of the day, man, they have a choice. And I, I, I understand where you're going at with this. It's not a choice, you know, I, but I understand where no. you're going at this. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only game in town. Yeah. it work. Yeah. But dude, if, if, if I'm under that kind of distress, I'm going to go get another job. I mean, that's just plain and simple. No. Now, I, well, okay, I'm good <laughs> with that. Uh, but again, man, I'm going to find a way. If someone wants to do something bad enough, they're going to they're going to have to do it. They have no other oh, way. Oh, but I
2: but I get what I get where, to be honest, it's funny. Well, you're making me now starting to <laughs> But I'll say this. So, I totally I agree with you in one respect. And and I know where Throttles going with what his his Counterpoint is, I just want to interject and say, you know, um what Will's talking about is obviously maybe the guy who who's just got a you know who's got a a mobile home or something, and he's in. Let's let let's let's think about PV. No one knows PV, so let's just say it's PV. PV does yeah, that PV's that's... that guy who
0: no more like Beam, man. Factory Probably Beam or
2: or Beam. He's he's stuck in a position where. You know he has no choice
0: he's limited. because of
2: his. He's limited to his choices based on his location and based on his abilities for transportation. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, like my my thing. The the choice is you go and work for Amazon and you break your 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 back, you lose your your knees, and you essentially your dignity working there. Um, you pee We're in water bottles and shit in bags to you know make. Yeah, let me let
2: me let me say this real quick. Well, um, so and so that being the case, right? So. So that puts you in that predicament where you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And when you have two mouths to feed, which, you know, PB, we as we know, has two babies. So um, what are you going to do with that? You you say, okay, well, yeah, I can go find another job. But if that's the only game in town, a perfect example would be, i.e., Walmart. Walmart was the boogeyman before Amazon.
1: Yeah,
2: You know, when they were still laughing at Amazon, Walmart was the big boogeyman. And to, the, to some point, they still are. Yeah. But... They're kind of lost the limelight because of what everything has went to. Oh yeah. You know we're now we're we're instant gratification. We want things yesterday, and a lot of it comes from China. So, you know, and that's that's we could say we could look at it one or two ways when it comes to that. But but I won't get into that. Um, but as it pertains to what we're you know discussing now, you know uh, the choices that they have to make or he has to make is kind of skewed, you know, whereas someone like throttle, he's an enterprising person. He's, you know, owned a business and, you know, thrived with it. And those taste success and who has a little bit more, you know, ambition would look at that and say, okay, I'm going to slice it this way. Yeah. You know, we would expect that from the average individual, but then again, he's not the average individual. Let's yeah. be honest. Not to get off of the subject, but the average, the, um, as, as a man, Men who make uh, uh, 100,000 or more is only uh, 10 to 15% of our population as a whole. So when you're now talking about somebody who's in the bottom rung, which, you know, PV's in that realm, he, you know, he doesn't have that same ambition, that same trope because he's looking at, well, I got to make, well, I got to make ends meet. I got to, you know, I don't have the same drive and ambition or even skill set or ability to network that maybe someone like, you know, Steven has to, to get himself out of that situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so he falls more into what you're saying as to where he doesn't have a choice. He's kind of a slave to the system. Like you said, cause I can understand it, bro. Cause trust me before that was me, what you're describing was me before I joined the military, before I was trained, before I got skills, all those things I have, that was me. I was stuck. I would have been stuck in San Angelo. I would have been stuck in a dead end job, and I would have never done anything. God knows where I'd end up right now if I'd have never left.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you Do you recall the one thing whenever you're living with, in, no. with us, that I know I told you this, and I know I told Mariah this. The number one thing that you need to have to not to be successful, but to make it easier on yourself as you as you grow old. Do you remember what it was? No, I don't. Network. Mm-hmm. Have a good network. And, oh, hold on. Yeah, go go. I'll let you so, finish. And the reason I bring this up is because Nab was was uh, reiterating traits about me. Yeah, and how what man I've become today. That that was taught to me by another well-filled hand. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, if if you're going to stay in this industry, or hell, he's like, even if you just want to be successful, it's like have a good network book. He's like, I don't care what if it's a notebook, a black book because it's going to be something you're always going to refer back to when you're down and out. There are many times, man, that I felt like I was on rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Hell, I wanted to kill myself. Mm-hmm. I wanted to commit suicide. And I went back to that book and opened it up, because I have, I have a lot of contacts. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm talking like literally, like network. Yeah. And that book helped me get back on my feet. That book helped me. I mean, I I went down the damn list, man. Started calling people. And let me tell you, man, it helped. It really did. Yeah. I know it sounds phony and corny, but. You know, it's just funny when you're on rock bottom, man. I mean, there's only one way back up.
1: Yeah, I just think that's an overly simplistic view in general because when we we start examining people's lives that you know have been ruined by Walmart and Amazon, you know, going to them and telling them, "Hey, go network," is extremely improbable because one, they have to leave work. If they leave work, they don't get to feed their kids. If they don't feed their kids, we we know where that road goes. Yeah. And so you have Americans trapped, literally trapped in their workplaces that by these feudal, you know, systems, these, you know, the workplace is not a democratic work, a a democratic system by any means. It's not a meritocracy is by all intents and and measures a feudalistic system. Right. And to, to imagine, uh, you know, someone coming to you and say, Hey, you want to make a six, seven figure income? Hey, go network. Well, Hey, I've, gotta be here i'm a wage slave you know they're slaves to the time clock it's it's it is you know i i agree with what you're saying but currently within the system that we 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 participate in that's just not that's not the answer Yeah, i mean yeah, yeah
0: they, like, well, i understand what you're getting at yeah. is they don't have the time to go do it because they're they're bounded to what they're currently doing i'm just well, referring to when I, when when i, I knew, yeah, about, cause, go because
2: i i understand exactly what what Stephen is saying, uh, Will, and what I what I want to say is this. What he's talking about, it's generalization in a way, but it's also incumbent on the person. And see, that's where the fundamentals go back to what we were saying about fathers in the home. Okay. So a man at his nature is ambitious. A man at his core wants to do things wants to excel right so what he's basically saying is when you say net when he says network he's basically saying have yourself surrounded by people that are doing things in that direction you know what i mean rather it be a manager at your plant rather it be somebody that works at another plant or just somebody who is on the same upward looking trajectory than yourself and we see it all the time in the sense that you know entrepreneurism is booming right now even though it may be covid and things have happened that's still the main purpose of men i mean if people from other countries are coming here during covid and do and excelling what does that say about us you know what i mean at some point there has to be accountability and i get it what you're saying and i don't disagree with your point however i will say it goes to the fundamentals of uh, what does it mean to be ambitious? What does it mean to want more? And what do you do to get there? Because sometimes the main reason why people don't isn't because they can't. It's because they don't want to or they want. I I, I, I
1: heavily disagree. We, we we participate in a system that's actively working against you. Uh, every turn, that whether it's lobbyists, politicians, your boss, in fact – You know we are all competing for resources you know whether ambition has anything to do with it is one thing but when you're participating in a system that honestly it does not want you to succeed i mean it the 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 problem i have with libertarians and conservatives is that the 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 possibility of of being a billionaire is enough to trade off you know social welfare system I think that is absolutely absurd, that I would much rather have good wages, good health care, good education system for, for my fellow Americans, than the possibility of having more money than I could ever spend in a million lifetimes. And it's... You know, ambitious is one thing. I mean, I know plenty of men and women that are extremely ambitious, and in fact, some of them are, are, are you know, in the retail field. Some of the most creative people I know that are ambitious and entrepreneurial, you know, want, uh, are, you know, are on the lower income class. You know, they are working class, the working poor, and you know, the the constantly out of reach to where. This system is working against them. I just I don't think ambition is is enough. That structural change, whether it's you know gun gun reform, which I mean, as we were t- we didn't even get into that. In fact, <laughs> uh, gun gun legislation. I, I you know so we can touch on that. Stephen and I came to the consensus that you know I, I my my general thesis is I don't care what works as long as the outcome is a positive outcome. I think I think that's a good. It must be a good policy, right? And so we were talking that more security guards, in fact, would actually be a solution, and that that we should put money into preventing, you know, these gunmen and coming coming into schools, into workplaces, and shooting people. And these security guards or police officers being well trained being the caveat, you know. Um, I, I think what we're taught we've you know gone to the weeds on is like there are clearly there you know there's a, a economic disadvantage for the working poor so much so that they are so desperate that not only they're going to kill themselves but they're going to kamikaze everyone and take them take out whoever they can you know uh, what what do you think to draw this back to gun to, to guns like we we're talking about what do you think is the solution like what what do you where do you see you know something working do you think more security guards would work or no
2: well if we're talking about you know i I mean I, i appreciate you kind of circling us back here um but as it pertains to that um security guards they are a deterrent but the problem that with that is it's what are we talking here? Are we talking replacing a police force? Because I mean, if you're talking about some people who are trained to hold a gun or whatever, it's still the same thing. It's just with a different coat of paint.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's something that will brought up whenever, you know, he, he asked me that question you know, I, I, I was generalizing that, uh, when, when you, it's like, you really think, uh, someone that wants to rob a bank they're going to go to if they know a police station has all this money you think they're gonna go rob that police station no because those are trained professionals i i, I use professionals very loosely because you know some cops can't even hit water if they fell off fell off a damn boat <laughs> but yeah pretty much. um you know will did kind of counteract saying you know if he knew a security guard was vastly trained and the program worked yeah it'd be a good solution and I happen to agree with what you said, you know. I mean, were we talking about someone just with a water gun or someone that actually is trained to use it and know how to use it? And and yes, I, I you know, as long as those standards were met, you know, as long as there's some presence of somebody there, you know. I mean, I even think there's a, a weird statistic that uh just knowing that there's a security guard. A lot of those places, man, do not get robbed. Really, I, I, I'm not mistaken. I know I saw something like that.
2: Yeah, it's. It, 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 I've seen it. I know what you're talking about. I, I know where you got it, but I just I can't remember the source. I got it, but I, I do recall what you're saying. Um, let me say real quick, though. So let me ask you: Are you saying that basically? Um, because here's my issue. I just want right? to. That's why I want to clarify. So are you saying that if we had the trained uh, security force, and they're designated specifically for, uh, you know, like, uh, protection of property, or, or are they more like a, a a current police officer, where they have authority for traffic stops or you know that kind of thing? Because the problem I'm having with it is, that's what we have now. You know what I mean? You have armed guards for escorting of you know uh, money you have uh, specific guards that are there that don't carry guns that you carry tasers or whatever and then you have armed guards you know what i'm saying yeah so if you're you're saying in that regard that's what you're looking for then that means that then we need to modify something
0: well that's why i said more more of it because i mean hell you know it's funny man you know you you go to so in San Antonio there's a Walmart that I stop at right when, when I go to work. <laughs> it's just funny cause there's always a cop in the front and there's always a cop on the side. But yet I go to another Walmart in Pleasanton and I never see cops. Yeah. There's there's never cops. But at this one in San Antonio that I, I stop at when I come home, there's always a cop. And um it, can I ask
2: you real quick is it in a in a questionable area
0: yes yes that's where I was getting at with this there's it, it's, it's it's in a very bad neighborhood in san antonio yeah so I know we can do it I know we can offer more security in places that need it like I was saying we we'll, going back to the that the statistic all these homicides non suicides mm-hmm. and non mass shooting are in only two percent of these counties, mm-hmm. or in in these states, in two two counties. Eighty percent of this is in inner cities in the United States. Yeah, that's where majority of these statistics are coming from.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, I, I mean, in the other other twenty percent of the United States, we're okay. Yeah. yeah, we see the typical, you know, kid actually shoots himself or the. Husband accidentally shoots his brother. Or hunting accident. Yeah. Hunting accident. Yeah. yeah, it's it's very it's at the at the very bottom of the of the totem pole. Mm-mm. So maybe we need to focus in those areas to help mitigate this.
1: Yeah, um, I I. Because I don't think, I think the gun, the gun issue isn't a gun issue. I think like we were saying earlier, it's, it's not just people, it's drugs. Honestly, it's gang gang related homicides. And I think that if we undercut, you know, cartels, uh, you know, cut them off at the kneecaps, you know, legalize, you know, uh, marijuana, cocaine, you know, uh, the schedule one, schedule two drugs, um, that, man, that takes a lot of their revenue to where we just cut out, you know, 95% of their consumer base. And the problem I've seen though, in States like Colorado and California is that they tax, you know, legal marijuana so high that it essentially brings the black market back into it. Yes. You know? that's, so, that's,
0: that's the counterpart y- to, to all this. Yeah.
1: To where I, I think we should tax it nominally, but not to where it essentially, you know, allows the black market to come back into play. Y- y'all might be able to correct me if I'm wrong on this. I saw something that, you know, cartels have been pro- uh, approaching these producers in California and Colorado saying, hey, we want a cut of of your revenue, um, which. Uh, oh, yeah,
0: they're trying to strong arm a lot of people, man. Yeah, they,
2: they are. And then, you know. What's what, what I'll say real quick to interject in here is uh so I'm in Arizona and it's just recently came out uh it's legal.
1: Oh you lucky bastard.
2: Right? <laughs> so yeah, right. But I will tell you this though, Will. That's why I was talking to Throttle before this happened, that we were looking at exploring maybe a, a venture of some sort because of how I mean, guy, when I go when I went to get that that, that box yesterday. There was a dispensary right next to it, and the line was out the door around the building. I, we were looking at, what are these people? And then I was, oh, it's a disp- an exact—every dispensary I go to, there are lines wrapped around the building damn, for people to get in there. And it's all the—since, t- I mean, maybe it'll slow down. Who knows? But the fact that it's legal now and they've got these commercials that come on for people to to get these stuff, the these these uh, marijuana offenses and, you know, off of their expunged off their record, which I totally agree to me. If you went to jail for having pounds of marijuana when marijuana doesn't kill anyone, yeah, you should have that yeah, off your record so yeah. you can get a job, so you can be productive,
1: yeah. so no. you can vote. Yeah, no, it it honestly, like, if if you just boil it down to the the simple, like, we are, we are jailing a large portion of our population for altering their reality, you know, Um, and and something that is absolutely nonviolent. I mean, I I think it's, it's honestly a little absurd, you know, for them consuming a plant. It's, it's, it it is honestly fucking weird, you know, to an extent, you know, the, 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 the tax dollars it generates, I think, is is so minuscule um, to you know finding. You know these people. I think honestly, if you just you 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 allowed the sale of you know consumable you know schedule one and schedule two drugs, I mean the the tax dollars generated from that would vastly outnumber. Oh yeah, that I mean, look from, at
0: Colorado. Look how
2: much um, they
1: generated,
0: um, man. It's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, Colorado just within the first few years of it being legal, they saw enough revenue from the tax and sale of it, which basically gave them a surplus they were able to do more for their schools that they had done in years it was a there was a uh, article that that was written by a uh, I forgot I think it's called the Colorado uh, or the <laughs> mile high something <laughs> but, but basically that what that was pointing it out you know their revenue went up their productivity went up you know people weren't losing uh you know their jobs and, yeah. and companies were easily able to put out a Like, you know, a basic um, memorandum saying, Look, we know it's legal. However, if, you know, obviously you're taking a risk, if you get an accident or something happens and they need to test you, and then other companies went ahead and said, We're going to implement a periodic, um, uh, what do you call it? A periodic drug test, random drug test. So, you know, there are solutions to the problem. If you don't want people touching it, then fine. They won't, they don't need to touch it. However, that shouldn't be something that you fire them for unless you're doing something very, uh, you know, like a crane operator yeah, or machinery. a sanitation worker, something that does something that very needs precision and needs um, your, you know, your wits about you. You don't want to take that risk, but, but as for like. You know, somebody at McDonald's, well, you know, they're at McDonald's. What are they going to do? <laughs> Screw up a fr- some fries or burn a burger uh, or something? Uh, and uh, most times if you're smart enough and enterprising enough, you're not going to do this stuff on the job anyway. You yeah. know, it's something you do on your leisure. It's like drinking beer. You know you're not going to go have some fucking drinks before you go to your job because you're going to smell like beer, liquor. <laughs> and you're going to be stumbling and stammering. You know what I mean? It's yeah. common sense. Yeah. And weed is even more... Of uh because it's not killing you. No. Liquor is killing your liver. It's doing oh, all kinds yeah. of things to you. You know what I mean? And it's legal. Man. So 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 I totally understand you on that. And plus, like you said, the, the other upside is is killing the cartels, cutting them off at the knees, as you say. Um however, this is my only concern though, because right now we can all easily point fingers at the cartels and whatnot, but that's also not take our eyes off of the other people over here who are pushing us to look at the cartels, which Mm. is our own government and politicians and, and, and these pharmaceutical companies, because while they may do a lot of good, they're also in business. And that's the flip, you know, like I was saying earlier about the, the dark side of our, um, our capitalism capitalistic uh, society is that these companies are only going to get bigger. And with these current, the current, Climate right now, you know it's okay. Okay, you know we're we we're under the guise of creating this vaccine, and we're under the guise of doing something good for humanity. But don't think they're not for a minute profiting on that, or researching something else, or half stepping oh, something yeah. so they can, you
0: yeah. know what I'm saying? No, exactly. So that's
2: my so that's my my concern with it is, let's say we did that. Let's let's just kind of hypothetically say, okay, well we're like Brazil, you know, and these other countries that totally took away. Uh, illegality when it comes to controlled substance, you know, um, it helped them, but that's because they're in a lot a lot smaller society society than us. You know, we take our economy and our society, we're basically like a bunch of countries in one big continent, right? Because each state has its own regulatory authorities and regulations, and you know, and 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 they have their own governments, so. If we tried to bring that model here, well, because of our disparity right now that they basically manufacture, um there's going to be problems. There's going to be pushback. There's going to be, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. No, right. I I mean it's it would be it would be a huge um project to 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 essentially one i i think the there's a really fun uh, statistic that i'm going to have to find after this but essentially i looked at countries and how they dealt with uh, covid-19 and you know what the number one indicator was if you were going to have a positive outcome uh, with uh, uh, stemming the spread of infection no,
0: what is it yeah
1: no. it's uh, if you have a nationalized healthcare system
0: really yeah
1: and so I, I i love this uh the look of defeat on uh there's a fox news uh, bit on it and msnbc and they both like just say it so sadly they're they're, they're like the number one indicator was you had a nationalized health care system and they say it so depressingly it's like oh shit we just can't rape our people you know and put them into you know hundreds of thousands of dollars into medical debt and bankruptcy uh you know so i i mean we funded the m r n a vaccine to begin with i mean uh it had five hundred million dollars of funding uh from the n i h i so i mean uh you know we we've already funded these vaccines but honestly it, I, I did y'all see the uh video of the uh uh pfizer c e o talking about you know jacking the prices up no on the not. next round of vaccines no it's fine because we've already paid for it, like or it's ironic, like we already paid for you know the the manufacturer distribution of this you know vaccine, and well they're just trying to two time us and you know double dip not only on the front end but the back end and so. Uh, I, I don't know if y'all been keeping up, but there's been a fight in the courts of uh, essentially the Biden administration, possibly lifting the patents uh, on the Pfizer, Moderna, and uh, I'm, I'm not sure if Johnson Johnson Johnson's in there, but to, to allow, you know, uh, these third world nations to, to have access to it so that they can vaccinate their people. So how do you, how do you feel about that? Oh yeah. I mean, it's literally genocide. If you don't like the, the idea that, that hey, you can't, uh, you know, save your people because you don't want to pay, you know, billions of dollars. That's, you know, these, these pharmaceutical companies holding a gun to these countries heads, you know, and in times of crisis, I mean, it, they'll make their money, but hey, we've got to save people, you know, I mean, that, that, that should be the number one, um, you know, goal and whatnot. It, it's, it, it, I, it's, yeah, it's, I don't think you could paint it any other, other way. Oh yeah. No, I've got to make billions of dollars before you allow, you know, to save your population. That's it, yeah. That's, that's absurd. Guys, we're, we're at like two hours right now. Are we? <laughs> We're yeah, yeah. Every total and whatnot. Fast. It does. It goes by really fast. So, um, I, I, I mean, it's funny, Steve and I were like, Oh, we're going to only keep this at 30 minutes, you know, going into <laughs> this. And, um, and then thirty minutes went by and then next thing you know, we're at forty five and now we're at like two hours total. So I oh. think I've got an hour with you, Now, So you're gonna have to come back on, bud.
2: Sure, no problem. Hey man, I mean, we didn't I even mean, talk about
0: great. the finish. Benesh- the best oh, fight, uh, right? man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, so
0: what did what, what, you think about the outcome? I, like, I
1: love how Ben Askren and his dad bod, you know, represented, you know, all of MMA and whatnot. The worst, one of the worst strikers in, uh, in MMA, you know, fights against, uh, I fucking. I can't believe I'm
0: mentioning him here, Jake Paul. But look, know. man, okay, so you, you got, you people don't realize, yeah, Jake Paul is the biggest troll. Yes, he's a YouTuber. Okay, but he's an athlete. I reckon he's an athlete, man. At the end of the day, the dude's an athlete. Yeah. But this is where the problem lies, or actually, let me let me backtrack. I'm gonna he's gonna lose my respect his next fight if it's not an actual amateur pro boxer. Oh yeah. Because a lot what some of your viewers or listeners what they need to understand is so Ben Askren. Yes, he is actually a very, very well-known MMA fighter. He is. I he, want, I, what's the butt though? <laughs> the butt of all this, is, there actually, there's no butt under his under his profile because mm-hmm. he's beat Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler, man, will law you do death. Robbie Lawler ain't no fucking dropping the bucket. Yeah. That dude is legit. Yeah, as I legit know. Robbie Lawler can fight, and Ben Askren beat him. But, so, some, wow. so for, your, for some of your well, viewers that's a, to understand... That's,
2: a, that's a, uh, a notch on your belt yes, if you're trying to say yes. that, you so, know, that he sucks.
0: Ben Askren <laughs> is a wrestler, MMA fighter. Yeah. He has got well, outro, is, like iso, isometric strength. Yeah. You know what isometric is. Yeah, and that's, so that's, that's his... what
1: I was wanting you to get at. The guy's a wrestler. a yeah, wrestler. I want him to take, take Jake to the ground okay. and beat his
0: ass, you know. But you we, we, we took... That away from his wheelhouse. But the man accepted the fight because it's gonna be a big payday. Yeah. Look at Jake Paul. Dude's athletic. He's built like a statue. He's very dynamic. He's explosive. Of course he's gonna fucking win. Everybody call everybody called now. There's a big vast majority of the MMA community like Ben Askram better fucking win. Yeah. He got dropped, man. Well, do you think it was rigged? I saw that on the supper, no, MMA. Supper no, at it's that. Fucking uh, okay. Um not rigged. Okay. Because even GSP, George St. Pierre said, if Ben doesn't win, this is a loss for us MMA guys. You know why? Oh, my God. Because it's the second MMA guy that's lost in a boxing match. Conor McGregor was the one. Yeah. But no. And you what? know
2: what? And Mayweather wasn't even trying.
0: <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> he well, hit
2: him a couple of times, but Mayweather really wasn't looking at it as a. He wasn't going in. As if it was a championship
0: bout. You know why that is, though? Because he knew Conor McGregor's got that touch of death. He knew if he went in, McGregor was going to sting him. And, dude, Mike Tyson said it best. He's like, we had a MMA fighter come in and hang with the best boxer pound for pound. Mm -hmm. Eight rounds. Yep. So what does that say about Conor McGregor? yeah Yeah, i mean he hung with the best pound for pound boxer i
1: I just want to see jake Paul in the octagon i want to see him standing i agree yeah i agree with that you want to actually fight you get in the octagon i I think it's absurd to um you know to skew these fights
2: fight a decent boxer because let's be honest like you know steven said what decent boxer has he really fought? I mean, yeah. let's talk about a guy who's got great fundamentals, a guy who can punch, a guy who knows how to slip and move. These guys he was fighting, they don't know that stuff. No. The, you you can see it in their form. <laughs> a real golden gloves fighter would have done better than any of these guys. Oh, fighting. I think they would Except beat for the, for the fuck MMA out of fighter.
1: Jake. Yeah, I think I think they would beat the fuck out of him. In fact, you know, and so right,
2: that's what I'm saying. Because you have the conditioning that you need. Like a lot of people think boxing is just. You know, uh, sticking and moving and and all that. It's, it's it's there's a lot more to it. I mean, the 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 boxing as a whole. That's why it's called the sweet science for a reason. That's why guys who can strike in MMA have a certain type of uh, you know win percentage, and guys who who grapple have a certain win percentage because those are disciplines that are rooted in fundamentals that are required for any type of fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can punch a guy you can win if you can throw him to the floor and beat his ass you can win so those those two things are not exclusive but together they're a deadly combination
1: no i, I agree i agree and i i'm i'm almost embarrassed i even mentioned jake paul on my podcast oh, okay. uh, <laughs> i'm just messing with you though no i i think it's entertainment at the end of the day um i i i yeah, love mma definitely. and boxing uh, but at, at the same time, I'm like, holy shit, I so, people just don't so, like his ego, man. Yeah, That's man, what it is. Man, I don't like the guy in yeah. general, I think he's a shitty person, you know. So, um, well, let me
2: ask you, let me let me ask you this, Will. So, what did you think about the Roy Jones and Mike Tyson? Uh,
1: um, a little, little oh man, I loved it. Uh, I mean, Mike Tyson still got it. In fact, like, I don't want to give Jake Paul any ideas, but I want to see him in the ring with Mike Tyson oh. just so he could, you <laughs> oh, know, my God. I
2: mean, uh, <laughs> now you that did you and uh, now, having said that. Did you happen to catch what Ray Jones said after the fight?
1: Uh, I I, rem- I think I know what you're talking about. I couldn't say word for word what he said though.
2: Well, basically, in a nutshell, I'll just kind of I'm I'm kind of paraphrasing, but in a nutshell, he basically said, you know, Mike Mike would have destroyed him if he really wanted to. Oh yeah, I could have easily destroyed him. But, there there but he didn't, and yep. that's why he said, you know, mad respect because here's a man who is, you know, back in shape. He, 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 he's, oh, in, he's in a controlled peace of mind. Shit. Whereas when he fought in his pro days or his older days, he was, he was, uh, tapping into something to get there. Now he's able to freely get to it and turn it off. Mm-hmm. And that makes him more dangerous.
1: That's, uh, I, if someone paid me $5 million to get in the ring with Mike Tyson, I would, uh, ask for 10 because five is only going to cover the medical bill. So oh, yeah. exactly. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah.
2: You know, that's why people tell me, like when I heard somebody telling me that, uh, they challenged Mike Tyson and that, the, you know, the, that they would, you know, beat him or whatever. And I'm like, are you stupid? I mean, you really must be stupid to say that kind of stuff. When a, a man who is, was knocking grown men out at age fourteen. Yeah, he still has the power, and in both hands, not just one but both. He still has speed, and that's what kills in a heavyweight. If you have speed and power, it's a wrap. Speed gives you power, but raw power plus speed on top of that. I mean, the guy. If you look at his older fights when he was, you know, uh, using the peekaboo, the 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 whole uh purpose of the peekaboo is to not get hit and to unleash devastating power on your opponent. And that's what customado saw in him was the fact that he had the perfect physique and, and build for it. Yeah. And that's why he was so effective was because he was a shorter heavyweight, but he had the same, you know, power and, and, and fer- ferocity in his punches, but he was able to, get underneath you, get inside you, and devastate you at your weakest points with pointed and precision punches. And a lot of times, they, they, the punches that knock guys out, they didn't see them coming. Yeah. You know, he hit them in the back of the head or on the side of the face where they didn't know where their punch was, and then next thing you know, they're on the floor looking up like, "Where How would I get here?"
1: Their name's Ben Askren, and they're asking themselves, <laughs> "How do I? How do I? You know, walk out the ring with any dignity left?" Not I mean, very. granted, he's six hundred thousand dollars richer, so I mean, yeah, I, I guess he, he got a couple years worth of paychecks and whatnot. So I'm uh, sure, you know, I. And, I you
2: know, and I would think that if anyone was dumb enough to, you know, cause like I said, this ask Roy Jones, let him tell you what it'd be like to get in the ring with Mike. Mike was basically looking at it as an exercise or in a workout. He wasn't looking at it to hurt Roy Jones. Yeah, You know that you could tell if he was going to knock him out, he'd have knocked him out in the first round. It'd have been a wrap. <laughs> then they'd be talking all kinds of crap. Yeah. But no one wants to see that, you know, nobody wants to deal with that. It was, it was what it was. And I knew what it was going to be. And, you know, am I, am I sitting here saying, well, yeah, he should knock out uh, the current champ, you know, you know, uh, I'm not going to sit up here because I mean, <laughs> taking punches is a lot different than dishing him out. Yeah. You know, but the the flip side of it is don't sit here and say that he couldn't knock him out because with a heavyweight Mike's Mike's power is like it's like uh, he's got that, dynamite in your pocket.
1: Yeah, he's got that. He's you got know? that old man strength now
2: right yeah. and now he's got that technique and the speed and all that and i wisdom. mean that'd be a mistake for anybody to fight him oh, and yeah. they know that
1: oh yeah well well shit man uh y'all uh, i'm gonna go and wrap it up so we uh sure. before before it, before, before we we go on for another hour about uh yeah. you know boxing sure. and, and, and gun legislation well, well navi man i appreciate you coming on uh you're gonna yeah, have to no come problem, back on man um and uh steven i think uh, i'll try to be more prepared
2: next time so i'll have some (laughs) you know more points oh for sure of interest to kind of bring in to kind of round out our discussion and to kind of add to it oh you did i'm not ever here for any contention i'm only here because i i I think this is healthy for us as men and it needs to happen more i mean the fact that the covid came i would say the silver lining to it was it did it, it gave us more time to reflect inward and to kind of understand what we need to do to go forward as a society and as adults.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Steven, Any last words? Man, I'm good, man. Had fun, dude. Yeah, exactly. Really well, did, you're you know? you're
1: coming back on either oh, way. Oh we? yeah. <laughs> well, y'all both are. In fact, we all. I appreciate you both coming back on. Uh, everybody, hope you have a safe week. Uh, make sure you go and join the book club, the Undone Book Club, this month uh that book we're reading is fulfillment winning and losing in one click america and make sure you sign up for the newsletter y'all um hey it was a pleasure i appreciate it again and uh well we're gonna have to do this again
0: so uh
1: y'all want to give your socials so that people can find you and follow you
0: man uh honestly uh i don't <laughs> even know my social oh <laughs> I, I don't. just my name on facebook Stephen vickers okay
1: um, what about
0: you What's, what about you bud
2: uh, yeah, you can Discord, it's uh, knob sport uh, 2495, I believe. All right, well, good. Um, but that's pretty much it for now. Yeah. Um, but well, I, it was a pleasure and I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, and, of course, uh, thank you.
1: Of course, awesome. Well, y'all, everybody, have a good week. Stay safe, don't get sick, don't Adios. get COVID. Y'all take it easy. So.